Well, thank you so much for coming to FBC. I don't know if you've looked around. <laughs> I keep hearing and reading about how everything is exposing weakness in the church. And we know we're not perfect, but when we come together, we are big, and I'm so happy to see each and every single one of you here. We haven't seen this many people here for months, and we're all here for the same reason. We're here to worship God, and I'm not the pastor here, so if you're a guest here, don't think that I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm the campus pastor, <laughs> uh, but I can just speak for all of the staff. We are excited and encouraged that God is beginning to bring the church back together. It was never made to stay so separated for so long. So that's where we are today. We're actually in a series called Interconnect, and uh, <laughs> it's been a great series. We've been in this series now. This will be the fourth week. The very first week, I spoke about how you are interconnected to the family and your family, and I spoke about how God's interconnection to your family is even greater than your own, and his love for your family is even greater than your own, and so all the worries that you have for your kids, all the worries that you have for you, all the worries that you have for your parents or whoever else it is that you're worrying about, you can let all of that go because God cares and loves them more, all right? And the next week, we talked about being interconnected to the church, and I talked about how being interconnected to the church will help you and help others, and it's, it also works the reverse. Being disconnected from the church will hurt you spiritually, and it can hurt others in the church because they don't have the benefit of being near you and being encouraged by you and having your spiritual gifts in their lives, and we kind of ended that week saying that for a time, this pandemic has kind of separated the church into a lot of little bits, but that can't be something that continues. That is not how the church was built. For a time, it's okay. Some of you are watching online. It's good. Some of you have valid health concerns. That's okay for a time, but at some point, we have to get back to being the church. And then last week I shared uh, about how you're interconnected with your community. That's everybody who you rub shoulders with. And I reminded us that our neighbors and the community are always watching us and we're either leading them closer to or further from the Lord. And it's a scary thought, but that's actually true. And then today it brings us to being interconnected to the world. And this series, I hope, would just help you see so many different areas in your life that you are interconnected to, that you benefit from and they benefit from you being connected to them. And today we're talking about interconnection uh, in the world, how you're interconnected to the world. And God is a God who is interconnected to the world. I, I remember living in Salta, Argentina and hearing a story about something that happened a long time ago. It was in 1692. In the city where I was living, there was a huge earthquake, 1692, a long, long time ago. And these people, as soon as this earthquake hit, they think, they think oh my gosh, we have to do something to stop 
this earthquake, and the first thing that comes to their mind is, you know what, we've forgotten our idols. We have to run back to our idols, and we have to remember them. And so what they did is they run inside the church, and they grab these idols, and they, there's two huge idols, and they take them out to the town square, and they begin doing a procession around the plaza, and the earthquakes subside, all the aftershocks and everything like that. And these people in that city put more faith in those idols that day. And a few hundred years later, the same thing happens again. So what do they do? They run to those idols because that's what they have been taught to do and that's what they've learned to do. And so they go and they go inside the church again and they get the idols and they bring them out and all of the people worship the idols. And yet again, coincidentally, the earthquakes stop and more faith is placed in the idols. They didn't think about the God who controls everything that happens on the earth and just to plead with him, they go to something that they knew and that they had placed their faith in and it happens again and they do the same thing. And I remember when I was living there as little as five years ago, every September 15th, is when the entire city would gather to celebrate this exact same thing. And they will go into the church and they'll get the idols and they will parade them around. Except now what happens is people from all over Argentina begin to make their way up to Salta, the city. A city that's usually about 500,000 people, 850,000 more come into the city just to catch a glimpse of these idols. And the idols, they have names. The the Lord of the miracle, and the virgin of the miracle. And they give even more credit to the virgin of the miracle for saving them and everything else. And I've seen 850,000 people bow down. And I've seen their tears as they cry. I've seen everything that they do and all the faith they put in these things. And it concerned me as a missionary there how, how can I speak to a culture like this? How can I even connect? Because they're so far removed from my experience and what's in Scripture. And so one thing that when Catholics would uh, know that I was not a Catholic, they say, okay, you're here doing this, okay. They would always want to know the very first thing. They don't even want to know my name. They want to know, what do you do with the virgin? What do you do with Mary? How do you incorporate her into your faith. And depending on how you answer that question, it can either shut a door right then and there and the conversation is done and they'll never listen to you and never give you credibility for the rest of your time that they're around you. Or if you answer it in such a way that you can say, here's, here's what the truth is and let's kind of explore that together, it could open doors. And there was a pastor in Argentina that I worked with and he showed me something in Luke 1 uh, one time, and it was, it's Mary's song. I don't know if you've ever read it, but Mary in this song is singing to the Lord, and she says, my soul magnifies and glorifies the Lord who is my Savior. It is absolutely beautiful. And one thing I learned from that is, okay, I get it now. I understand how I can incorporate Mary for these people to say, okay, this guy has a little credibility. We can listen to him. And so here's, here's my thought. I thought 
the best way for me to honor Mary is not in worship. It's not in prayer. It's not in bowing. It's not at kissing an idol. It's none of that. The best way I can honor Mary is to follow her example. And so that's what I started telling people. I said, no, I don't pray to Mary and I, I don't worship her. I believe everything the Bible says about her. I know that she was blessed, but instead of worshiping in her and lifting her on high, I lift high the one who she lifted high. My soul magnifies and glorifies the Lord who is my savior. And in that way, I can honor Mary's memory by following her example. It's actually the same thing I say a lot at funerals. The best way, I know it's, it's a downer to start talking about funerals right now. Listen, we as ministers, we have to do a lot of funerals and it's not very fun. But one of the things that I like to remind people of is the best way that you can honor somebody's memory is to do what they did best. And so I'll tell them if they were a Jesus follower, the best way you can honor their memory is to follow Jesus. If they made people laugh, you could, you could honor their memory by making people laugh and tell jokes and things like that. And so it's along this same idea that we get to today's subject where I want you to see something. I want you to see that God does something and if we want to honor him, all we have to do is follow his example, okay? All we have to do is follow his example. This is the first thing, and the main thing that I want you to see today is that God's interconnection to the world should inspire our own interconnection to the world, all right? We should be able to see from scripture that God is so very interconnected to the world, and it should inspire us in our lives to be just as interconnected to the world as he is, if it's at all possible. Now, make no mistake about it, God is interconnected to the world, okay? I don't know, this hopefully isn't a newsflash, but he created the whole thing, all right? When I say world today, I'm not just talking about the earth, though. I'm talking about all of its inhabitants. I'm talking about humanity. And when I say that God's interconnection to the world is huge, what I'm saying is that God's interconnection with humanity is big, and he wants you to be just as interconnected to the world as he is to make his interconnection even deeper, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, he sent his son, the eternal son of God, to become man. If that doesn't make interconnection flow at a whole nother level, I don't know what does. He did everything he could to be interconnected to this world, and by sending his son to live as a man among men, that was interconnection. That is the kind of internet interconnection that we're looking for. So today, I want us just to follow God's lead. I want to see what he does in the scripture that we're going to be in, and I just want to copy his example. Follow his example is going to be the best way that we can honor him. And we're going to be in John 3 today. Uh, we're actually going to be in the most popular verse in the Bible. Everybody's already turning to it. They're like, I know what this verse is. I'm good. I passed the test today. Don't worry. You're awesome. All right. We're going to be looking at John 3:16, but we're also going to be looking at 17 and 18 to see how God is interconnected to the world. And before we get into that, I want you to realize a couple things about the guy writing 
this letter, the letter of John, he writes so that people will believe in the name of Jesus. Very simply. Now, this John is the John who walked with Jesus for three years. He saw everything. In fact, he was part of Jesus's inner circle of, of three disciples. He was always there. In John's own gospel, in his own words, he calls himself the one that Jesus loved. In uh, 1 John, when he's writing 1 John, he says, that he is writing to people so that they would understand and believe in Jesus, the one who he had heard with his ears, who John had seen with his eyes, and who he had touched with his hands. This is who's writing this letter, and so he has quite a bit of credibility coming into this thing. Now, as we get into the actual scripture, John 3, it's Jesus, and it's him talking with a man, and this man's name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee who in, in the Gospels is really known as being this kind of person that thinks he's an elitist. He has the spiritual upper hand on everybody. But he comes to Jesus because he realizes he doesn't. And all he wants to know is how to become part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus, through a long conversation, we're not going to hit all the conversation, Jesus finally gets to the passage that we're going to be in today, John 3, 16, 17, and 18. And I want to read it for you here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. That is an important scripture and it is powerful. And what I hope that you see today through that scripture is that God's interconnection to this world is absolutely huge. And he starts with Nicodemus and he says, all right, Nicodemus, you want to know how to become part of the kingdom of God? I'm going to just lay some things out for you. And the first thing he lays out for Nicodemus is so very simple. And it's that God's heart beats for the world. God's heart beats for the world, Nicodemus. Jesus is there and he's telling him that. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of controversy about this verse and what it actually means. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? For God so loved the world. There's a lot of questions right there already. Well, who's the world? Well, does God love everybody? Does God love everybody over all time or does he just love his people? Let me set the record straight for you today. Listen to me very clearly. God and his heart, it beats for all of the world. Those are who, who are his own and those who are not. And you can see this lived out in Jesus's life perfectly as he walked with 12 disciples, 11 of whom loved him with everything and who would later give their lives for him, one of them who did not. But Jesus didn't just love 11 disciples, did he? He loved Judas as well. And he spent time loving Judas for the three years that he had with him. And Jesus poured himself into Judas and all of the other 11 just the same because he loved Judas, even though Judas didn't love him back. So God loves the whole world. And then some people bring up this idea that happens in, uh, and they say, you know what? God really isn't the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, I could believe you that God loves all the world. In the Old Testament, though, that God is different, and he didn't 
love everybody in the world. And first, I want to say that the God of the New Testament and the Old Testament is the same God. There is only one true God, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when somebody brings that up, I love to go to Scripture because God had a plan, and his plan was very simple. I'm going to reveal myself to one nation, the nation of Israel, and they will in turn go and reveal me to all of the other nations in the world. That was just God's plan, but guess who didn't hold up their end of the deal? The Israelites. In fact, instead of going and spreading God to other nations, when they went to other nations, they let those nations spread their God to them. And the Israelites then found themselves as a people with many gods and not just one God. But I want you to see how God's heart beats throughout the Old Testament. We're going to look at a few scriptures uh, right here. This is Genesis 22, 17, and 18. I will surely, now God is speaking to Abraham, and it's a beautiful passage about his covenant with him, but I want you to pay attention for, to a couple of words. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring, listen to this, God says in Genesis 22, if you don't know, that's the very beginning of the Bible, in your offspring shall all of the nations be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Next in Psalm 46, 10, be still, God says, and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Another one from Psalm, Psalm 67, one through four. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known in the earth that your saving power, listen, his saving power among all the nations. The nations are the heartbeat of God from the very get-go. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Ezekiel 36, 23, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And that brings us into the New Testament, and you know the Great Commission. Go therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations. You tell me that God's heart doesn't beat for the whole world. He loves the world and every single person in it. What an amazing thing it is just to see his love. And it's because of that love for, that he has for the world that we come to our next point. God did everything possible to save the world. So if we just go back to scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God did everything possible to save the world. And everything possible to save the world was Jesus coming from the Father. It was God giving his son. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I had not before I got to this passage. And as I was reading it, I read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The word gave has to be the most loaded word in all of scripture in this passage. Why? Because if you just say that to someone, they're not going to understand every single little detail that God worked out perfectly to save mankind. Because in that one little word, gave, it encompasses all 
of Jesus Christ. It encompasses who he was before the foundations of the world in heaven with the Father, eternal Son. It also includes when he came to earth as a man. It also includes his entire lifetime of sinless living. It goes through his ministry, three years on the earth, ministering to people, helping people, healing people, raising people from the dead, walking on water, all of this. It encompasses it all. And then it also encompasses his arrest, his beating, his crucifixion. It encompasses his death and his burial and it encompasses his resurrection. That is God giving his son for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And all we have to do, it says, is uh, believe in him. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so this God who gave his son to us is magnified through his son's sacrifice for our sins so that we don't have to perish, but we can have eternal life with God the Father. Everything possible was God giving his son. The next thing that I want to show you from this is that God wasn't interested in condemning the world. If you just keep reading in the scripture, listen to this. This is verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know, there was no reason for God to send his son to earth to condemn us. Do you know why? Because we were already condemned. We were already condemned for not believing in the son, and we were already condemned for all of our sin. I mean, it wouldn't have changed anything had Jesus come to mock us and ridicule us and point out the fact that we're condemned. But God didn't want to do that. God so loves the world. He gave his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, don't worry, I'm not here to condemn you. That's already been done. You guys need somebody to save you, and that's why I'm here. And he's telling Nicodemus these things. If you can just picture Nicodemus, his mind is just exploding because of everything that he's hearing. God loves the whole world, not just one nation. God sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. Absolutely. The cool thing about this passage is Jesus is talking about his death, burial, and resurrection two and a half years before it ever happens. And he's telling Nicodemus, all you have to do is believe because God gave his son so that you could have eternal life, which brings us to the last point that I want to show you about God's interconnection to the world today. God made it easy for the world. This is maybe the coolest thing for you and me because it was not easy for God to give his son. It was not easy for Jesus to be given. In fact, it was hard. It was anguish and it was pain and it was suffering and it, was, it meant being separated from the father. But for you and me, God makes it easy. In fact, I don't know that you can find a better, easier, quicker way to explain how someone becomes a member of the kingdom of God than what Jesus told Nicodemus right here. Let's look at verse 18. This is what it says. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever 
does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Did you listen? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So as Jesus is talking to this Pharisee, and there was a lot to straighten out in the life of a Pharisee. Jesus doesn't come condemning. He makes it so easy for Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, just believe. That's it. How many times do we want to put more in that? I mean, I don't know about John, but if I'm John and I'm retelling the story of Jesus, I'm like, all right, now I'm talking about a Pharisee. I'm writing this story that happened down. I think I'm going to put a little extra so it's not so easy for everybody. Jesus made it incredibly easy for Nicodemus, and God makes it incredibly easy for us. It's one word. It's belief. Believe in the Son of God, and you are not condemned. All right, so I kind of want to show you now just a recap of everything that we've said up to this point, okay? God is so interconnected to the world because God's heart beats for the world. God is so interconnected to the world that he gave his only son for the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And he did all of it. And he made it easy for us to enter the kingdom of God with him and have that eternal life with him. That's how interconnected God is to the world. He did all of that for the world. So what should you and I do? Let's go back to the beginning. Remember how I told you I would honor Mary in that culture by doing what Mary did? At funerals, I would say, let's honor this person by doing what they did the best. Let's honor God by doing what he did. Let's honor God by loving the world, which is the next thing that I want you to see. Love the world like he does. If his heart beat for the world, your heart should beat for the world. Every race, every color, every nation, every people, every tribe, every tongue, every person should feel the heartbeat of your love for them because God's heart beats for them. The next thing is do all that you can to reach people. God did everything he could to save the world. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we also invest everything that we have so that God can be made known in the world and so more people can be saved by his grace? Absolutely, we should. Here's one. Don't condemn people. That's a pretty easy thing, especially in a church. We would love to just point out everybody's flaws, and they could point ours out as well, like how we drive bad in our neighborhoods or whatever it may be. Uh, we could all point the fingers at each other. But we don't. Why don't we? Well, because God didn't. God came to save us. So let's not go around condemning people. How about we just go around loving them and getting them to Jesus as fast as we can, which is something that we say often at this church. Another thing that you've probably heard lately is that we need to make it easy for people. I think we as Christians like to make it hard for people to come to Christ. And we have to say, no, this thing has to be right in your life. And don't even think about coming to God until you have this in order. And don't forget that other thing that, yeah, that too. You got to have all your ducks in a row if you want to come to Christ. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus made it easy for Nicodemus. Believe. 
That's it. Make it easy for people. Why would we want to make it harder for people to be saved and enter the kingdom of God? So God's interconnection to the world should inspire your own interconnection in the world. I don't know if you know kind of about our plans in 2021, but our plans are huge. We're going to Brazil. We're going to Mexico. We're going to Arizona. We're probably going to Denver. We are going out into the world to help people know Christ. Maybe that's one way that you could get involved. As we close now, in a few moments, some ministers are going to be up here, and they're going to be ready to help you respond to the Lord if you need them, all right? Now, what are, what are, how is God working in your life? I don't know what he's doing in your heart through this message. I don't know what he's doing in your life right now, but here's a few things that it could be. Maybe some of you think, I don't know if I'm in God's kingdom. I don't know if I've taken that one little step of believing. Well, today's the day. Today's the day that you should believe. If that's you and you're sitting here and you're wondering, what should I do with this Jesus? Believe and receive eternal life. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? I, don't, I haven't been doing everything that I need to do to bring people to Jesus. Maybe that just needs to be a confession between you and Jesus where you say, this is what I need to do. Maybe your heart hasn't been beating like God's for the world. Or maybe you've been going around and you're condemning people because of things in their life that you don't like. And maybe it's time for you to just come to the Lord and say, God, help me not condemn. Help me love. Help me draw people in. And maybe today you're sitting there thinking, I've made it too hard for people to come to Jesus. Maybe today is the day where you just need to say to the Lord, I'm sorry, you made it easy for Nicodemus. You made it easy for me. Why aren't I making it easy for others? And you just come to the Lord in repentance. Maybe you want to join a church that preaches the Bible all the time, unashamedly. This is a great church to join. I tell you what, it is so great to see all of you gathered here. Again, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, as we think about who you are in our lives and who you are in this world, let us gain the same passion that you had to reach us. We want that same passion to reach out into the world and to bring more people to know you. We don't want to be people who condemn. We want to be people who draw people nearer to you. We don't want to fail like Israel did. We want to be a church who goes out into the community, out into the world, through our church, in our families, and in an interconnected way, draw more and more people to your side because you're a loving God. God, however you're dealing with each heart in here today, would you please help them respond? Help me respond to this message. Help us change our lives to match your example for us. You are so interconnected to the world and we wanna follow your example. In Jesus' name we pray.